Welcome to Longview Baptist Church. Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I am Pastor John. This ministry is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find an answer to the tough questions. And remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. Five, and if you're able physically, let's stand tonight out of reverence for the reading of God's Word. <clears throat> the Lord's servant must not quarrel, but must be gentle to everyone, able to teach and patient. Instructing his opponents with gentleness, perhaps God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. Father God, hide me behind the cross tonight, Lord, so that you might speak as only you can. Father, I'm so thankful tonight, Lord, that you're able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. We commit it all to you, and we ask this in Jesus' holy, precious, and righteous name. We pray. Amen. You may be seated. First part of 24 again says, so we got this whole picture right here is actually the whole context of 2 Timothy chapter 2, and, and this subsection is an approved worker. You know, pre-worker must not be ashamed. It's talking about rightly dividing the word of truth. It's talking about all of these great fundamental principles spiritually of what a follower of Christ that wants to walk in the fullness of Christ, that's getting to the heart of the matter, those things of eternity, the matters of the heart. And that verse 24 again, the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Now stop there. Anybody, now, quarrel, we, that's the old term. A dear friend of mine, y'all know uh, Dan Brown. Dan Brown uses that word quarrel. He, he doesn't say it. It's just the way he talks now. But a lot of that, kids will say, quarrel, what's that? Arguing. Argumentative. You ever met anybody that, I don't care what it is. You can look and go, wow, what a beautiful blue sky. Oh, it's not blue. It's actually a, it's a refractory, you know. Just talk, Stop. Oh, wow, that, that's really cool how that, oh, that's neat, and the fertilizer. Oh, no, no, the fertilizer, and, and, they, and no matter what, I've known a mountain of people like that in my life. No matter what it is, no matter how, they're going to argue with you about everything. It doesn't matter if you're a master in whatever it is. You could have gone to school and have your Ph.D. Oh, no. You're wrong. They know it better than you. Anybody ever known somebody like that? It's discouraging, isn't it? Because what you realize is you can't have conversations with someone like that because no matter what, everything's going to be about them trying to prove to you how intelligent you are or how intelligent they are and how foolish you are. And see, first thing I, as a question tonight, first application, do you like to argue and always be right. And then my question to you would be, why? Now, if we're talking about the things of the Lord and you do that with a good spirit, praise God, because I think good theological debate is good. Now, I want to get to the intention of your conversations, making sure that you're truly seeking script or you're just trying to prove a point. Because if you're just trying to prove a point, just stop. Stop talking and sit back and listen a while. Because when you're just trying to go into everything with the desire to be right, no matter what, all the time, you know what you're doing? you got the wrong heart. Because we're a family, we're brothers and sisters in Christ, and, and by the way, if you don't know this or not, 
we're all actually working towards the same objective. I hope. Amen? We've got this. That's why in churches, I actually talked to a brother in Christ today who is in ministry, and he actually is just discouraged. He called me up, and I actually told Thank you, Jesus. If I was where this person was, church, y'all would see me on the front page of the newspaper because I could not, I don't even know how I could handle the things that this person's dealing with. The attacks are so catastrophic and so demonic. It's as if there's a big hotbed of demonic activity that this dear brother in all great desire to want to minister and do the right thing at the right time has just gone and done a belly flop in the middle of this wickedness. And sadly, I, you know, it really sounds like there needs to be some, some godly death that occurs. Some people are going to have to die before you're going to be able to be a, effective in the ministry you're in. Because he's just sharing story after story about people in there that are basically... Oh, no, I made the tea here. I make it better. You will never make the tea. It's those kind of arguments. It's the arguments of, no, you, you, I don't like the way you teach. I don't like the way you preach. And I'll never like it just because it's you. And brothers and sisters in Christ, that right there is a spirit. I told him, I said, I, I, brother, I'm going to be honest with you. I think you're late to the program. You should have left a long time ago. Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Woo, to God be the glory. Amen? And I say that with all true sincerity. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is peace. When you have people trying to undermine you for no reason at all, I can just tell you what, I, I, you smell the breath of hell. That's what you smell. And there's no desire to have unity. And this is, I guess it's one of those things when you get, you, you know, y'all, many of you guys are my age and older. When you get, you just want peace. You just want joy, and you want union, and you want to be excited with each other, and you want to be thankful about the opportunity to worship the Lord, because I'm, listen, I wasn't born yesterday. I recognize that if I go from the scriptural interpretation of the time that I've been given, we got a lot of people in overtime here, but I've only got about 24 or 5 years left, and then I'm getting ready to jump over the time God has given us, and then I'm in overtime. And once you get past that time, you better wake up every day and say, Lord, thank you for this extra bonus day because we're not promised this. Why in the world, when people are 70 and 80 years old, that this is what my brother's dealing with, are they arguing and just causing all this dissension and factions? We're all knocking on heaven's door, amen? Can you imagine being an agent with which Satan used to bring disunity? By the way, Scripture speaks to it, so somebody, somebody needs to do a series on that. At the, you know, I told my brother, might need to do a little series on people that are coming in, because what does it say? The bitter root comes, and be careful, because it will what? Defile many. Defile many. And that's the sad part, though. So you got... Hmm. These argumentative spirits, this is not the spirit. And when I talk about this, I'm talking about the spirit of God. You might be walking in spirits, the spirits of the enemy. You might be dealing with oppression. External followers of Christ cannot be possessed, amen? They can be oppressed. That's an external 
And that's what happens. And you go, you know, that's why I tell you, we've got to be very careful because even us, as an obedient Christian, can be used of the enemy to bring destruction in the body of Christ. You realize that? Even as a Christian, you and I have to be very careful how I talk about that real estate mentally. You know, we get upset or get excited about something. You know, we go, you know what? We're going to replace the carpet at church and you're on the committee for it, let's say. And, you know, everybody agrees that they want to have a gray or they want to have a whatever, you know, doesn't matter to me. But, you know, and all of a sudden you get a thought, you know, you know, in my old church, we had pink carpet and, and I'm not doing anything but pink. And everybody needs to understand that pink's the only color we should use. And that's what we're, and I'll tell you what, I'll do every and anything I've got to do to make sure we have that color carpet that I want. You know that people, I, listen, I've seen it too many times. But you know what I know? That's not a heart of the Lord. That's an argumentative. That's a divisive spirit. And that is not of the spirit. That is from spirits of darkness that are desiring to have what? An ungodly control. An ungodly control. You better watch that church because that's one of the big things that a lot of people battle is a spirit of control. And what does a spirit of control do? It will destroy a church faster than anything else. I've seen church after church that two or three families control everything in the church. I'm going to tell you what, you want to watch me jump ship? You let some families start to try that right here, and you're going to watch Brother Jonathan look like those people on Titanic in that movie jumping off ship. I'm jumping off quicker than you can ever imagine. I won't be a part of that stuff. I don't want anything to do with it. Why? Because I have a limited number of days in my life to honor, glorify, and serve the Lord. And to sit around and get caught in a bunch of foolishness is something that I have no time for. Amen? And that's not what a follower of Jesus Christ is going to do. They want a spirit of peace. They want a spirit of unity because they recognize, Lord, teach me to number my days that I might gain a heart of wisdom. Because this is what I know. You or I, you find yourself ever in a position, let's say Brother Jonathan drops dead tomorrow, and you end up with some guy you think is really awesome here, and next thing you know, you see a mess. Go find yourself 10 people don't know their head from their feet spiritually that love Jesus, and you'll change the world with them. You hear that? Because when you find people that love the Lord, they don't have to know it all. You can disciple them to spiritual maturity, but as long as they have a passion for Jesus Christ, you have the number one most important thing taken care of. And what is that? That thing that I say every day that I can't put in you, and that is a desire to love, honor, and glorify Christ. So if you find 10 people that love Jesus, if you end up in a place one day where a church has decided to get in a very ungodly state, you go find yourself someone. Find one, find two. And you know what will happen. God will bless that. And you can end up changing the world for Jesus Christ because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is peace. Where two or three are gathered in my name, what? There I am in the midst. Amen. And then the second part of verse 24. So you got the Lord's servant mustn't quarrel, but be gentle to everyone able to teach and patient. Second thing I want to share with you tonight is this. A gentle person is a person that will be listened to. A gentle person is a person that will be listened to. My brother, the middle brother, you know, the judge, he just got, matter of fact, they just, he's the uh, chief justice now of the appeals court in Florida. Let me tell you something about my brother. My brother's been a man of few words. You'd never think that. 
knowing me. My brother's a man of few words. But let me just tell you something about Tim. When Tim Osterhaus speaks, I don't care where you're at, everybody listens. You know why? Because when Tim Osterhaus speaks, he has thought an unimaginable amount of time on what he was going to speak, and when it comes out, it's something you want to hear. Because he just doesn't talk to fill time. He never has, and unless he gets a brain injury, I don't think he ever will. He's a man that does not ever forward emails. He doesn't forward funny jokes. He has never, ever, one time, <clears throat> forwarded or sent anything to me. I'm his brother. My father, my mother, my other brother Dan, not one of us has he ever sent anything to. You know why? Because he wanted his testimony to be above reproach. There'll be nobody that can come and find in the archives of the internet, oh, look what he sent is not there. And the great thing is, he's that gentle person, and he's a person that's listened to. You don't have to sit there and listen for the next. You know what Whoppers are, right? Anybody know what? No, I'm not talking about the ones from Burger King. You know what I'm talking about? It's the person that tells that salacious story. That sal and you sit there and go, that's not even physiologically, psychologically, or anything for that matter possible. And you sit there and listen and go, we got a whopper on our hands. It's that fish story. They went to the lake and they caught a fish. The problem was either they had a, a set of magnifying glasses on their eyes, well, they're just outright lying to you. But no, no, it's, remember, they didn't do it on purpose. It's just a whopper. It's a story, and the problem is what happens is it begins to take the fuel out of everything else you say. You've got to be careful what you talk about. Because as a follower of Christ, people are listening. And if you're telling stories that are not true, you might think you convince them of the validity or the reality of the story you're telling, but I promise you one thing, people are not as foolish as you think they are. They will sit back and they will end up relegating you to the place of no listen to anything because what you're saying is not true. And we got to be careful because that person that has that gentle spirit, think about how important having that thing. Make sure when you say something that you have some background for what you're saying. Make sure it's true. If you caught a fish this big, if anything, make it a little... You know what I've tried to do? As a matter of fact, I'm finding that even more and more now. If I don't know exactly the number, I try to make it smaller than it is because I don't want to overestimate. Remember that? When I, I told you guys about that um, person with the car fentanyl and, and the, the state trooper pulled over that truck and in the front of there, and I was a little bit nervous because when I, when I said it, I thought 30 million's a lot. I might have been wrong on that. And I think I told you guys 10, 5, 10, 20, whatever it was. It was actually 30 million. So I'd underestimate it because I didn't want to overestimate. I don't want to be that person that says that salacious story that you go back and go, that wasn't true. Now, anybody can accidentally get into something, but if you're not careful, all your stories can end up having something that will take all of the validity out of your stories. Be very, very careful. Be that gentle person that when you speak, you speak truth, you speak wisdom, and you will be listened to. The same is true as a follower of Christ. If you gut your testimony, those people at your work, they won't listen to you. 
If you are speaking about how much you love Jesus, but yet your mouth is throwing out foul, vulgar, your attitude's terrible, what are, that, what are those people at church or those people at your work going to see about you? Tell me. Are they going to go, oh, you know, I see all that they're doing there, but, you know, I hear them talk about the Lord, so that, that's what they really are. No. They're going to define you by what's coming out of your mouth and those actions that you're living in front of them. That's your testimony. Do you hear me? You act out and live out your testimony every single day. So the question becomes, if you right now were arrested for being a follower of Jesus Christ, or if you died right now and were at the funeral home in three or four days, those people that, that have known you your whole entire life, what is your life going to say by the, 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 the stories, the memories that they have of you? Are they going to say, you know what? They were a sold-out follower of Jesus Christ. And everything about them was a desire to honor, glorify, and serve Jesus. You know what? You, no matter where you went, they didn't want to talk about sports. They didn't want to talk about boats. They might have talked about it for a second, but they always went to Christ. They always began to talk about, yesterday I walked into a patient's room, and I, I know um, a person really well, and they have a very big gift. And I said, you are very gifted. And I said to the other person, I said, this person has a really awesome gift that God's blessed them with. And this person stopped me and said, no, I, I only have the, the ability that God's given me. And I was so encouraged at seeing this person hijack my ability to, all I was doing is just saying, this person has a very awesome gift that God's blessed them with. But they did not want any pat on the back for that. They immediately deflected all the glory to the Lord. What did that show me? That showed me the heart of the matter in this person. It showed me the passion that they had to make sure that in the pride of life, they didn't take credit for something that God was 100% in control for. They were that gentle person that speaks when something's going to be listened to because they have that personality, but what they were doing is being a living missionary, a testimony in their shoes. And that's what we've got to focus on doing, brothers and sisters. And then, verse 25, instructing his opponents with gentleness. Perhaps God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. Third and final thing tonight I want to share with you is this. Gentle ministry can be used powerfully in the hands of the Lord to change lives. It's really easy, and I remember battling this many times in life, especially when you come in contact with someone who is downright confrontational when it comes to the things of the Lord. You know, you start mentioning things of the Lord and they'll get antagonistic. You're one of those. And then they'll just start in every, I've had every type of engagement in those respects. It's really easy to want to go into that carnal defense mode and begin to attack them. Well, things aren't working out too good for you. Looks like my at least have a little better option for you than what you're doing because you look like a fool. First of all, that's not godly. But what would you be doing in that? You're being used by the enemy to begin to destroy your very mission field. But if you're gentle, even when someone's antagonistic or outright unkind, 
You know that as a, a follower of Christ, the greatest thing you can do is be kind, be gentle, be compassionate when someone's like that? You know why? The enemy wants to get you all wound up, all fired up, and he wants you to do the work for him and destroy this person that God has placed in front of you with the opportunity to minister to. Now let me just tell you, this is one of those reasons I say once again that we need to be in this. Because right now, if you've not been in this, and you've not been in prayer, and that person comes up to you who's antagonistic to the things of the Lord, and is downright argumentative in every respect, if you've not been in this, and you haven't been doing this, you are in no way ready to be ministered to, to minister for the Lord. Matter of fact, you need ministered to because as a Christian, let me tell you what we are. We're sponges. Anybody ever heard this analogy? Christ is the living water. Every time, think about this, when you go and you're washing your car, you have to go to the bucket with your clean water and you get the, the sponge in there and you wring it out and then you bring all this fresh water in there and then you're carrying it, you know, and that water, by the way, the minute you get away from the bucket, the water starts dripping out of it. So there comes a point, though, when the water has now exceeded the potential of being usable in the sponge again. So what do you have to do to make the sponge usable again? You've got to get it back to the source from which the water came from. Think about the things of the Lord and our fellowship with God like that bucket of water. Every day when you get in your word in the morning, you are filling that sponge up. And when you pick that sponge up and you leave for work, the moment you get away, you're letting that water come out. Hey, each one of those difficult engagements, it's in a sense you're, you're squeezing out the living water on the people as a ministry. To each person that you minister to, it takes some out of your sponge. It's very imperative for us to be very aware of the level of sponge water and the ministry ability we have because a lot of times Christians aren't good at recognizing that and they go out with the dry sponge or it gets dry in the midst and instead of getting back and saying I'm a little worn out right now I'm spiritually I'm spiritually low I need to get back in God's presence I've got to get my sponge filled up they do what they think they're doing a good thing oh man God just wants me to keep going and keep going and that's the problem we can't do that and when we get worn out like that what happens we end up with attacks that are extremely effective they are extremely effective because when that person comes at you with it when you've got a dry sponge and says some of these attacks and these hurtful things to you, we respond improperly. We do great damage to the kingdom work. We do great work for the enemy because we didn't recognize how important understanding that concept of de de abiding in the vine. If you become a follower of Christ, you, got, you know how somebody gets, they're on cloud nine. You gave your life to Jesus Christ. What do you want to do? You want to go and, and the whole, you want to save the world, don't you? What if you send that child, that man, that woman, send them out as a missionary right then? Anybody know what's going to happen? I've seen it happen. There is a catastrophic crash that occurs in short order. It's just like one of those flares, you know, with emergency flares on a boat. It is so bright the moment that thing's lit, but in short order, fizzles out and hits the water. I say this to say, 
A new believer needs to grow in Christ the same way that us as seasoned believers need to recognize how important it is to spend time as Jesus did, going away to pray, spending time with the Father, filling up the sponge again, and then going back out in the ministry. Because if not, the heart of the matter becomes a matter of life and death spiritually. It's so dangerous, but so important for us to focus on realizing the heart of the matter is getting in and dwelling in God's presence, spending time continually in the Holy of Holies, meaning right at his feet in the throne room. What are you doing there? You're sharing your hurts. You're sharing your heartaches. You're sharing your passions. You're sharing your desire to be used of God. You're sharing with him your, your insecurities. You're sharing with him the, the struggle you're having with the prodigal child, a mother, a father that's resistant to the gospel. You're sharing with God your desire to be a solid testimony and to run the race faithfully to completion. And you're telling him, God, I need the strength, Father, to continue to stand firm in the midst of the wickedness that is surrounding us on every given day, Lord. It's like a flood that is overwhelming our school systems as you're praying and beseeching God on behalf of our children as they go into so many wicked, wicked arenas and classrooms. And I even know there's many teachers that are not believers that are teaching something quite contradictory, even if ever so obscurely in how they're doing it. It affects, we praying the full armor of God on our children, praying that God would overwhelm our schools with revival and that there would be a major work of the Spirit. There's a whole lot of things that we can pray in there. And what it ultimately boils down to in every one of those cases is the heart of the matter. And this is what I want you to understand tonight. Please realize this. Hell is going to be stacked from side to side, wall to wall, ceiling to floor with people who sat in churches. Please know this is true. Why? Because just to know truth is nothing. You can die with the full gospel being presented every single time you were in a church. You can know about it. You can get excited when you think about the cross and think about what Jesus did on the cross for you. You can get excited at Easter. You can get excited at Christmas. You can be in every Sunday. You can be a pastor. You can be a deacon. You can be a Sunday school teacher. You can do any and everything that had to do with the things of the Lord. Do you realize that you can do all of that and still die lost and without hope? Do you realize that? So I just spoke to myself too. What is the difference, Brother Jonathan? Please tell me. I'll tell you what it is. A transforming work of God changes the heart. It doesn't just change the head. The knowledge goes from here, and that 12-inch gap between heaven and hell, which is the base of the brainstem approximately, to the top of the heart. Once it transitions that 12-inch gap, that's the difference in heaven and hell. Because once... The truth of God's word and the transforming work of God reaches the heart. It changes the walk. It changes the hands and it changes the mouth. And it all originates from the heart. That's why the matters of the heart are the matters of eternity. Tonight, the question to yourself and the question for myself is, where's your heart? Where's your passions? What brings you joy? What brings you pain? Tonight, 
Are you dwelling in God's presence? Do you have any desire to get in His presence? Why are you here? I ask that a lot. And I've so many challenging keys of thought that I've passed out at week in and week out. As I say, don't be here because your mom was here, your dad was here, your grandparents. They can be wonderful people. That's fine. I, I'm not... That doesn't matter right now, though. What matters is you and Jesus. What does Jesus mean to you? What has Jesus done in here? Are you walking with Him? One of the most exciting times at night that I, in my day, when I pray, is at night. When I lay down at night, and I shut my eyes, I sit there and I begin to have my conversation with God. And what's wild is, as I'm walking to the bedroom at night, I get excited about the thought of getting able, being able to talk to the Lord, my dad, before I go to bed. And that is one of those things in my heart that give me the affirmation of where my heart's condition is because I love to talk to dad. I get excited to talk to dad. And the first thing that I do when I get up in the morning, remember I told you, as I walk down the hallway, I go in, and I, first thing I do, I pray in the morning. And I shared with you last week what that prayer was. God, give me the wisdom of Solomon, the patience of Job. Allow me to walk in the Spirit like Elijah and Elisha. Because Elisha got that double portion. That's what I want. I want to know him and the power of the resurrection, the fellowship of sharing and his sufferings, becoming like him in death. I want to know the close walk and intimate fellowship with the Father, and I don't want to stop now because I'm where I need to be. No, I want a greater, more intimate walk with Him. Closer, more faithful. I know that I need Him. I know that there's not a day that'll go by the rest of my life that I'm not going to need the Lord. And therefore, I'm so thankful that no matter where I'm at, no matter what I'm doing, I can go boldly into God's presence. And my question to you is, do you find yourself excited about praying, or is it a chore for you? If it's a chore, I believe if I were you, I would step back and I would say, God, talking to you should not be a chore or something that I have to force myself to do. I should want to talk to you, God. God, do whatever you've got to do in my heart to make that something that is special to me, that I desire to do, Lord, because your word says to pray without ceasing. So, Father, give me a heart that desires to spend time with you, not only in prayer, but also in your word. God, I want you to speak to my heart. God, give me a passion for your word. Lord, I know I can't be the man of God that you have created me to be if I am not in your word and allowing you to speak to everything that I need spoken to. God, give me such a passion for your word that I'm having a hard time getting out of it to have engagements with people Church, if you're on that phone six, th two, three, four, five hours a day, you're not in God's Word, please tell me what's going on. You're showing with your passions where your heart is. Where your treasure is, there's your heart also. Where's your desire? Where's your passion? Where's your purpose? What's your plan? Tonight I want to challenge you during this invitation to ask yourself that question. Remember, I'm nobody. I'm nobody. You're not going to stand before God and have me go, oh yeah, they're bet. No. 
I'm just like you. God's called me to be in this position right here. And I do it with, with trembling because I realize the, mag, the, the ramifications of it and how important it is and how important it is for me to be on point. And tonight, I, I have that question for you, though. Where are you in Jesus? Are you tracking with him? Are you walking with him, most importantly? Is your passion to love the things he loves and the things that gives God makes aches his heart, are you praying that God would make those things ache your heart? Or have you not even thought about any of it? Why? Because you're more concerned about the current events and everything else going on. If that's the case, I encourage you to just pray, God, break me. That's the only thing that you can do at that point because I can't put that desire in you. Tonight, the heart of the matter is the most important thing of all time, eternity and space. And it is, what have you done with Jesus Christ? Because one day, by the way, you will stand in his presence and there will not be a myriad of people standing there to com comfort you and walk with you through that. You will stand there on your own merits. Or are you going to stand there robed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ because you knew him, you walked with him, you faithfully, fearlessly, and fervently served him to the day that he took you home? That's the question I would have all of us ask ourselves tonight. Let's pray. Father, thank you, God. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that God's word has encouraged you. You feel like you've had fellowship and been at home with family. Today, if God has moved in your heart, and today you would like to make him not only the Savior, but the Lord of your life, first, it's important to know that we are sinners. We're born sinners. No one can bridge the gap that was separated when sin broke what God had created so beautifully. If today you know you're a sinner in need of a savior and you know that Jesus Christ was born, lived a sinless life and died on the cross to pay for your sin. Today, if you want to, you can trust him as your Lord and savior. It requires you to pray and in faith, ask him to save you, to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you and you wanna live for him. I pray today, if you do that, that you will reach out to us. We would love to get you connected in a church body, a church home, wherever that might be, and get discipleship around you so you can grow in this new life that you found in Christ. Read God's word. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God bless you.